Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we come to you this morning. We are thankful to be in your house. In our busyness, Lord, we ask that you would quiet our hearts at this moment. Lord, as we prepare to look at your word and hear your voice speak into our lives, I pray that you would remind us that you are with us and that your desire is to restore us to the perfection that you created. Our brokenness gets in the way, but we're excited to be in your house this morning. Lord, we pray for those... uh, those parents who have come today to dedicate their children. And for these young, what right now, Lord, our babies, our young children will grow up. Lord, we pray as a church that even now we would be focusing on helping them to understand who you are. Lord, we'll watch as the years go by and we'll see how they have progressed. And we'll realize, Lord, that we have a responsibility in that along with their family. Thank you, Lord, for your word. As we look at your word today, open it to our eyes. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning's scripture will be from uh, Hosea 14, chapter 14, verses 1 through 9. And I just want you to think for a moment about how God's desire to restore Israel is His desire to restore us as well. Verse 14.1 Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to Him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you the fatherless find compassion. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger is turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel, He will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like that of an olive tree. His fragrance like the cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper whose fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. May God have his blessing this morning as we... (laughs) That's me, he says. If you're new to us, we call this the herd. 
All I can say is if you're going to the bathroom when that happens, you're probably in trouble. Uh, I don't see anybody laying in the aisle. I think we're okay. Just stand still. Just stand still. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) They may be little, but they got a lot of juice. (laughs) And I don't know about you, uh, but it's exciting to hear that sound, right? I kind of like that sound. (laughs) Oh, we got one coming back. (laughs) All good. So this week we're in our fourth week. We've spent the month talking about uh, the Hallmark holiday of uh, Valentine's Day, right? But we've kind of twisted that up a little bit. This week is the fourth week that we've talked about relationships and what God's understanding of love and relationships looks like. Um, You may remember that uh, uh, we've been talking and reading in Hosea for the whole month. And if you know anything about the book of Hosea, uh, I'm going to give you just a quick rundown about the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea is kind of an interesting book. Uh, It's called The Small or Minor Prophet, not because it's minor in what the message is, but because it's short. And here's what goes on in the book of Hosea, and it's, it's a little bit odd. Um, if you've never read it, you're going to be probably a little bit surprised. If you have, then you know where I'm at. Uh, but the book is this. God tells Hosea, the prophet, to find himself a wife who will be unfaithful, a prostitute. And, of course, he marries this prostitute, and she runs away. And he is called by God to go get her. I know this sounds really odd, right? It's like, this is weird. He's called to go get her and bring her home, and he does. And then she runs off again. The third time she runs off, he's called to, she's actually sold into slavery, and he's called to get money, all that he has, and that's what we talked about last week, and bring her home one more time. And I don't know about you, but that's a weird place to find love, Or it seems like a weird place to find love. So first week we talked about responsibility and having a responsibility for our faith. You may remember we talked about um, that we need to recognize that we are responsible for our own faith. That we are the ones who make the decision about whether we're going to follow our faith or not. And that God's people were, the responsibility was put on them um, to realize that they were doing wrong things. You remember they were... um, struggling with idols. They had idols and they had God and they just kind of mixed it in this big bowl, stirred it all up and whatever that was, it looked like religion and they just kind of did it. And then the next week we talked about romance. So we talked a little bit about how God's love looks like in our life. Uh, Unconditional, long-suffering, forgiving, all those things that we're not really good at, right? We're not really good at unconditional love, We're not really good at long-suffering. I'm good at short-suffering, right? Probably not even good at short-suffering. And I'm terrible at forgiving, right? In my natural sense of who I am as a human being, I stink at forgiving. Thank you, Lord, that he has a a better way than I have. Then last week, we talked about reconciliation, extending grace to other people. Extending grace, we don't have to, to... is that idea that we, don't, we didn't have to, it wasn't forced upon us, but God extended His grace to us. We need to extend our grace to others. Uh, that is sometimes challenging. And that's what Hosea did, right? He extended His grace 
to his wife Gomer. I didn't tell you that. That was her name. It's kind of an odd name, but that was her name. I don't know. And he extended grace by going and getting her and bringing her home uh, to his safe pla- a safe place with his wife or with his kids and his wife. And he brought the family back together. He extended grace. And we talked about having a repentant heart, a heart that says, I'm going to stop doing what I was doing. And Gomer had, a, had finally gotten this re- a repentant heart, a decide not to continue in her ways, but to change and do things different. And today we're going to talk a little bit about restoration, uh, putting things back uh, to the way they were, right? And so I know those, those probably pictures are a little bit small. No Chevys were allowed to be put on there, Larry, sorry. <laughs> Just kidding, Larry. I just, I just happen to be a challenger guy. So, uh, and so we think about this idea of restoring things, and the idea is we take something that was junky, right, which is the top pictures, and we, we begin to put them back together. Now, I don't know how you get... I, I thought that was a hard top, and that's a convertible, but either way, you get the, uh, the idea of restoring something back to the way it was, right? What we got to remember, though, is that Originally, that car on the top looked like the bottom car. So it's kind of a, it looks nice, it goes to bad, and it looks nice again. That's restoration. Going from something that was originally brand new, used up, and back to something that uh, is maybe nice or nicer. The idea of restoration. Uh, There's a lot of things that we try to restore, right? A lot of people like to restore furniture, antiques, antiques. Scott Brown, you come to mind because Scott has this tractor that he brings up to the car show every year that hardly looks like a tractor. It's so old. It's like, I think it might have been the first tractor ever made. I don't know. <laughs> if you like tractors, ask Scott because he loves tractors. But it's, you know, it's one of those things of bringing these things that are really old and ancient and sitting in the weeds and they, they bring them back to life. And uh, so I, I want to talk just a minute about what that might look like uh, spiritually, right? What that might look like uh, from God's point of view. And you may remember that in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God created a pretty cool place. He called it Eden, right? And he put a couple people in there, and we all know the story, it got messed up. But before it got messed up, it was awesome, right? It was an awesome place of peace and tranquility. It was quiet and the stream ran, a gentle uh, brook ran by and there were animals and the picture got cut off but there's a, uh, a lamb and a lion was just behind it and it was a different place. So I got to ask you this question. Um, it sounds pretty nice to me. It sounds kind of calm. And the life we live today isn't all that calm or easy going. So I want to ask you this, this question. What is different today than it was in the land, in the Garden of Eden before sin? What's different today? What do we deal with today that looks different than that? We die. We die. Yes, thank you, Ken. What was that, Derek? Concrete road, Concrete road yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brian, what you got? Uh, yeah, other, yeah. And if that was the worst thing that happened, we'd be good. 
Rachel? Pain and suffering, right? We know that part of the fall was pain and suffering. Um, that, that, that people would have to endure. And see, we've come to live life as that's a normal part of life, right? That's just who we are. My hip hurts today because there's a snowstorm coming or something, right? And we just figured out that that's just normal life and it's okay. It's not how it was originally. The scripture says, by the sweat of the, of the man's brow will he um, do life. And what does it say about what the woman would have to endure? Childbirth, but I would, I would challenge that idea as child rearing. Because I think um, when I talk to a lot of women who have children, the birth doesn't seem nearly as bad as trying to raise a teenager into an adult, right? <laughs> and having to worry, I, I think about uh, Clara and John and uh, James and Rebecca, and I think, you know, they're still they're figuring that out, right? And we, if you've had little kids or you've seen little kids grow up, you realize pretty quickly that they become adults, and then they do their own thing. And so that child-rearing idea is there will be pain and hurt and suffering as we work through trying to raise children. And I haven't found a parent yet who hasn't struggled in that area in some way, shape, or form, even when kids are really good, right? Because what happens? They grow up and they do their thing. They do the things that we sometimes don't want them to do. They act sometimes how we don't want them to act. They're kids, yeah. Yeah, that, it is a good thing, but it's harder, right? So what else would today's world have that Eden would not have had? Broken relationship, yeah, right? That has become the norm in our life. Uh, before sin, God's relationship with Adam and Eve was perfect. And they messed it up. And then they had brokenness. What else? Shame. Yeah, do you realize that Adam and Eve, before they sinned, had no shame? They didn't even understand what that meant. Right? What happened in, in Genesis 3 when they fell, they sinned, they, they went and hid, and they found out and realized that there was something that they had against God, but they didn't even know what was going on. They were still trying to figure all that out. Anything else that's different today than it was at then? Thorns? Yes. We're going to talk about some thorns today. Okay. What was it, Vicky? Weeds. Yeah. Anybody like to pick weeds? There's only two people in the world I know that like to pick weeds. I won't tell you who they are. <laughs> but I see them here all, all the time picking weeds. I don't know if they like them, but they, I think they like not having weeds more. <laughs> all that being said is to, to remind you that this is not how God intended the world to be. This is not why he created the world. This is not how he designed it. Sin messed it up. His goal from the very beginning, there's this, there's this thought process that says um, God created the world in the first two chapters of Genesis, and then he spends the whole rest of the Bible trying to get God's people to come back, right? And that's really what's going on in, that, in the whole Bible. But just remember, this is not how God created the world to be. He didn't create it to have pain and suffering and thorns. 
You ever had thorns? You like thorns? I one time, two years ago, I got a thorn right between my knuckles on Thanksgiving Day. And it was stuck there, and I pulled it out. No big deal. And it healed up a little bit, and then it started to get red again. And then what happened? I thought, well, it must be something in there. Messed with it. That was probably about Christmas, right? Eh, must be nothing in there. It healed over. Guess what happened again? Started Easter. At Easter, I pulled out a piece of thorn that was buried like way down in there. Way down. I mean, like you couldn't. And it was this little sliver of like barely see it. Good old thorns. I got a great thorn story today. Pretty excited. You'll be excited too. But let's talk about restoration. Because what does, what does restoration uh, require? Restoration requires a contrite heart. That's a nice big word. Probably not a word we use a lot uh, around the water cooler. Anybody have an idea what contrite means? Good. What's that? Right with God, okay. Let's see what... Don't worry. Oh, that's going to be hard to read. Contrite heart is one that is, which the natural pride and self-sufficiency have been completely humbled by the consciousness of guilt. Contrite actually means crushed, crippled, or broken. We need broken hearts. We need to take ourselves out of the mix. Because, uh, I don't know about you, but we're really good at not doing any of those things and not being sorry for the struggles we've had. And God says in, uh, verse, in verse 3 of chapter 14, He says, we will, and God's people say, we will never again say our God, small g, if you didn't see that, to what we our own hands have made. Remember we've been talking about idols and God's people in this time had idols. They had all kinds of things that they worshipped, the Baals. They had all these things that they were worshiping like they were worshiping God. And God says, listen, if you're going to come back and we're going to restore this relationship, you need to get rid of those bales. And you need to come back and say, listen, we're not going to call those bales our God anymore. We're going to work at changing our heart, at removing those idols, and at going a different direction. We have to learn a lesson and change our ways. I was thinking this morning um, about children. We have uh, had our kids all home this weekend. And uh, we watched some home videos that were just absolutely hilarious. Uh, Great home videos. My wife got them for everybody for Christmas. But I realized one thing when I was a kid. I realized that my my parents weren't very smart. Right? When I was a kid, my parents weren't very smart. I knew what was right. I knew the right way to go. I knew what was right for me. And my parents had no clue. And then I grew up. And when I grew up, somehow my parents got smarter. Must have been with age, right? They got wisdom somehow. 
And then I had kids. <laughs> and when I had kids, I realized that that curse my parents put on me for being rotten to them. No. Right? You remember the curse, right? I hope you have three just like you. <laughs> and when they said it, I thought, I'm pretty good. <laughs> And I have good kids, I'm just saying that. But, but it's funny how, we, how things begin to turn and change uh, as you begin to, to see, uh, as you grow up and you understand um, right from wrong and good from bad. And you begin to understand, and spiritually in this, understanding what God wants us from what we want, right? It's like God saying, listen, Israelites, you need to grow up. You need to grow up and understand that these idols are bad. You remember when your parents told you, don't do that, it's bad. Don't touch the oven, it's hot. Right? And what do we do? Right? Our arms or our hands are burnt all the way. God's saying, listen, Israelites, you need to grow up. And I'm saying, Greenfield, we need to grow up and be mature in our faith and understand what's good from bad. And my parents aren't here, but I want to say thanks, Mom and Dad. They taught me, I learned a lot. There's a, a scripture in Psalm 51. You may remember that we, we sing it. Uh, it's called, Have Mercy on Me. We sing it a lot of times in first service. It, this, it actually literally comes from the Psalm 51, where David is singing and writing. He writes this song of uh, asking God to uh, give him mercy after he had failed uh, miserably. He had failed God miserably when he, uh, he took Bathsheba. And then he ended up killing her husband, and it was a mess. And when he was in the midst of that song, or that, that, writing that psalm, he said, I wanted to give you sacrifice. I wanted to just throw things on the altar. But you know what I realized, God? Putting things on the altar wasn't going to solve it. What I needed to do was change my heart. He said, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. That's what God wants, and he wants that in our life. He needs us to have clean hearts. It says, restore me to my joy of my salvation. I want to encourage you this morning to think about, if you are a follower of Jesus already, that time, that moment in life when you became a believer in Christ. There should have been a lot of joy at that moment. And if you're not experiencing that joy in your life today, there's something in the way. There's something that's getting in the way of that joy. For David in this psalm, it was an unclean heart. It was a heart that said that, that wanted what he wanted. I saw Bathsheba and I wanted her and I took her. I killed her husband and then I have a child with her. And he was in this pattern of sin. And he asked God to restore his heart to the joy of his salvation. If you're not experiencing joy from your salvation... There's something in the way. I, I, I just implore you to begin to search that out. 
search out what's in the way. Because even through the difficult times, now joy is not uh, happy, happy, happy all the time, right? Joy is understanding that God is still in control of things even when things are hard, things are tough, when it doesn't seem like there's a way out. The definition of joy is not uh, giddy. The definition of joy is understanding that God is still in control and having a peace about that. Second thing is, you need to return home. The, the verse, in verse 2 it says, Take your words and return to the Lord. They, God could have done everything in His power had not the Israelites turned around and began to, began to come to God. Nothing would have changed. In fact, it probably would have gotten a lot worse. It, it means going from one direction to the other direction. It means going from away from being, uh, being away from God to being towards God. God isn't asking for perfection. He's asking for you to turn from one direction to another. This is a picture. This is just a, a picture. This is a picture of the Florida Everglades trail that uh, our brother Dan Schumack is walking. I just got a text this morning. He's got 130 miles left. Um, keep praying for him. But I got a, he called me like Wednesday to tell me this story. And I don't ever take that as a coincidence. Dan wants to get home. If you don't know what Dan's doing, Dan started at the very tip of the Everglades in Florida and walked straight up pretty much. And then when he got to the top, almost, it's a, right, it a left-hand turn, and he went across the panhandle. He's walking in Florida for, I don't know, what has it been since the beginning of January? January 2nd, I think. Um, he's almost done. But Dan's been giving me updates every so often. And the first 30 miles, just so you know what kind of trail he was on, first 30 miles looked just like this. He sent me pictures. Muddy water. Muddy water so muddy that... He said he would have to take his shoes off because the sand and mud would get caked between his toes and it would literally spread his toes out like this in his socks. And he said you could no longer walk, so he'd have to take them all off, clean them all out, put his shoes back on, and he walked 30 miles in mud and water where you couldn't see the bottom. I don't know about you, but that's a little sketchy to me. And even though it's been snowing and cold here, it's been in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. And he said, some days he really stinks. <laughs> well, Dan's been walking, and uh, he gives me updates. And if you don't know Dan, Dan feels uh, that God has called him to a ministry of walking and meeting with people who are on the trail and encouraging them, his sharing his faith, um, just being available for God to use. And so Dan has been walking. I, he's got, he's got to have probably... 800, 900 miles on already. He walks about 25 miles a day. That's about his average. Uh, he's in pretty, he's 69, 70. So he's not a spring chicken, I would, but he loves to walk, loves to walk. And he rolls, that's a lot of miles to put on. And he said, every day I feel a little stronger. I feel a little better. Um, he would send me these pictures of anacondas before he went down there. Or pythons, not anacondas, pythons. And they're like 15 to 18 foot long. And he's like, hey, look, they caught these last week. I'm like, Dude, you're going to get eaten. <laughs> I 
I said, you're going to be inside one of these. He had to buy a special tent. A special tent that they could lock up that the, the snakes can't get in at night. I don't know about you. That's a little bit sketchy to me. Last Two weeks ago, he almost stepped on a cotton mouth. So last week, he calls me, and he says, you're never going to believe what... He always starts... This is how he, I calls on the phone. I always answer when he calls. You're never going to believe what happened to me today. I said, oh, what happened today, Dan? Well, he said, it started yesterday. He said, I'm walking along the trail. And I don't know if you saw, there was a tornado in Florida not so long ago. Um, well, it came across the path of the trail. So he's literally in the middle of these swamps. And he's walking along and the trail markers disappear. So he's like, I'm walking along. I'm in the middle of this swamp. I don't know where I'm at. He doesn't have a G- He has a phone. That's as much, much as, and he's not real technology uh, technically inclined. So he's like, I'm walking along, and all of a sudden, there's no more trail markers. There's trees down. It's a mess. He says, I'm walking, but it's getting pretty rough. And the further I go, the rougher it gets. He says, I'm in the thorns. I'm all chewed up. He said, like, I'm scratched. My whole body is tore up. He's like, but what do I have? I can't. What am I going to do? I'm in the middle of the swamp. I don't know where I'm at. I'm expecting the trail to be here, and it's no longer there. There's no trail markers. I get lost in the Florida swamp. Not sounding like a great plan to me. He said, I am chewed up. He said, scratched. I'm bleeding everywhere. He said, the bugs are eating me. He said, this is a, it's a bad day. That happened like on Tuesday. He calls me on Wednesday morning. He said, you're never going to believe what happened. He's like, I, I finally get out to dry land. I find a road, figure out how to get, I got around this. It was a pretty long place where the tornado had come through and all the markers were gone. So he got lost in that pile and he gets out. He's tore up. He's not feeling, by the way, Dan's a diabetic, so he has to be careful. He's got a lot of other, I mean, he's, and he's like, I know I need to get to this place, but it's 20 miles off the trail. And so he says, I, I get out to the road, and he said, I've been praying to God for, uh, to sit, change the situation, and God says, trust me. And he's like, man, I don't want to, he said, I'm struggling with that trust me thing. He says, I get out on the road, I have 20 more miles to walk to this town to get some help, get some band-aids, get cleaned up, a shower so he doesn't get any infection. Um, he's kind of a mess. He says, I literally got on the road. I walked for three minutes. And would you believe, by coincidence, not, a pastor pulls off the side of the road and picks Dan up. Stinky Dan, we'll call him, right? He picks Dan up on the side of the road. And so he's in the truck with this guy, and he's telling me this story. And he's like, I'm with this pastor who picks me up. And he said, you're not going to believe this. He does this for a ministry. This is what they do. Their church has a ministry, has actually a building for their hikers to be in and a place for them to get cleaned up and to, to, uh, to rest up and uh, to be taken care of because he said, I was pretty beat up. Um, and he said, I literally was on the road for three minutes before this guy stopped and picked me up, drove me 20 miles. He said, he's in the process, he said, of driving me 20 miles to the church where they have a building and they're going to get me all cleaned up. I can get a hot meal and I can get a shower and I can start to feel better. And then he's going to bring me back when I'm ready to go back. 
And he must not have stayed long because that was 240 miles. And that was last week. So he's down to 130. So he must be, and he's moving. <laughs> but he said, God, was, God put that, that pastor right in my path. And he said, I was not sure about the trust me until I stepped out. And he said, that car stopped within three minutes of being on that road. And he said, I was reminded how good my God is. There's a great story in Scripture called The Lost Son. Or maybe if you've uh, been to church a million times, it's the prodigal son. But I like it uh, sometimes when it's called The Lost Son. And it's in Luke chapter 15 if you get a chance to read it. It's about a son who leaves his father. He takes all his stuff, all the things that were his, his inheritance. And he goes and he blows it to where he has nothing left. And we always look at the sons, do we not? We say, well, this guy is the prodigal son. He came home. And then we look at the elder brother and we say, this was the older brother and he was upset about it. But what about the father? The father who loved his son at the beginning enough to allow him to do his thing, loved him enough to give him his inheritance, Loved him enough to pick up the pieces when it was all over. I don't know about you, but that's my God. And in that scripture, he said, listen, my son was dead and now he's alive. Finally, we need a right relationship with God. That last verse in, this, in the verses that we read today, says, the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous walk by them, and the wicked, what? Stumble by them. There's a spot in our hearts for God. Is there not? And I've watched lots of people, I've done it myself, try to fill that spot with stuff with those idols that we've talked about. Things, busyness, cars, relationships that are a mess. Stuff. Work. And here's what happens, and here's what I've experienced, and here's what I've watched people do over and over and over and over and over again. They're left with a hole. They're left with a hole that can't be filled for, by anything but God himself. But that means us going and meeting with our God. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you this morning to, to begin to think about that because God designed this world to be that Garden of Eden, that, that place where we could be. And it got messed up. But He wants to restore that in our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to You this morning. We are thankful for Your love of us. Thankful, Lord, that you, Your desire is to restore in us on a very personal level that relationship, that right relationship that You want with us. Lord, we ask that You would guide our, our hearts this morning that you would point us in the direction that you would have us to go. 
that like the Israelites, Lord, we would begin to recognize our need for you and begin to make those changes. Lord, we thank you for the way that you continue to love us while we're lost and that when you find us, you welcome us back into your fold. In your name we pray. Amen.